Welcome back, Basketball Nation. Andrew Cobian here from Hofstra University, bringing you episode 40 of Coaches and Coffee. Today's guest is a basketball lifer and has a great reputation in the coaching world, and I'm so thrilled to share his story with you. At this time, I proudly introduce Bruce Hamburger, Associate Head Coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Coach, how are we doing? Doing great, Andrew. Great to be with you. I'm so excited. I mean, I've known you for from a distance, and we've crossed paths, you know, at the Final Four and at coaching clinics, but I'm a big fan of you. I like following you on Twitter because I'm a massive reader, so you're always pumping out good articles that come across you, and I, uh, I'm frequent on your, your Twitter page, and, you know, you've been at it since 1984, so I'm just so thrilled and excited to uh, get to know you a little bit more. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's... it's uh... It's a crazy business, but it's a good business. That's that's what it. Uh, that's what I enjoy, just meeting coaches and their relationships and getting to know people. So, uh, now definitely looking forward to talking to you about uh, about coaching and uh, the profession. So let's get started with how you got into this business. When did you want to be a coach, and how you really caught your your first break on breaking it? Probably realized that. I don't know, 15, 16, you know, in high school, I mean, I loved to play. I, I wasn't a great player by any stretch, but I, I just, I love basketball since I was a little kid. And obviously, you know, as a 12 year old, I, I had to, yeah, I'm going to play in the NBA. And as a 15 year old, I, I realized that wasn't happening. And, and yeah, I kind of grew up with just really good role models with teachers, coaches, and, kind of just saw it as a like I can combine the two I can I can still involve myself in the game and and teach so I I had the mindset of you know I'm going to be a high school teacher and and a basketball coach and you know kind of got exposed to the college game when I was actually in college I, I was an assistant coach at my high school Columbia High School down in Maplewood New Jersey and we, we had a very good team and we, we had this kid, Mark Bryan, who ended up playing at Seton Hall, who was a top 50 recruit in the country. Back then, the recruiting rules were different, where essentially there weren't recruiting rules. So, you know, it was if you wanted to work really hard and get after it, you, almost like D3, you know, you can go out every night. So uh, we were probably a top five team in New Jersey. He was a top 50 player. So needless to say there was a an influx of coaches into our gym every night and i i just i made as a young guy a lot of connections and just kind of observed the college coaching from the recruiting side and in my mind i said wow this is this is a lot better than teaching class you know and being <laughs> in the classroom and you know i was fortunate enough through some connections when i graduated from college i was able to get a graduate assistant spot at, at Trenton State College, which is now the College of New Jersey. I I worked there for two years with Kevin Bannon, you know, who ended up going to Ryder and Rutgers and, uh, you know, kind of parlayed that into an opportunity to be a graduate assistant at Seton Hall and kind of moved up the ladder at Seton Hall and, um, you know, was in Seton Hall for nine years. So That's amazing. And just reading about what went down at your time at Seton Hall. I mean, you guys won two Big East tournament titles, six NCAA tournament appearances, and a run right to the national championship game. Yes. Uh, you know, time, you know, as you well know, in this business, timing is everything. Um, when I got there, 
the program was just starting to turn the corner. You know, PJ was getting it going, and I, I knew going in there we were going to be good. I mean, am I going to sit here and say I thought we'd play in a national championship? The, I think it was the third year I was there. Certainly not, but I I knew we were going to be good. I I had observed him. I I grew up five minutes from Seton Hall, so I would be over there all the time watching them practice, and obviously. I coached the kid that they wanted, so I, you know, they they never turned me away if I wanted to go watch practice or just kind of hang out in their offices and just to get to know them and observe as a, I don't know, a 20, 21-year-old kid just kind of figuring out, you know, what the business was about. So, you know, I, I kind of saw the progress that they were making and, and the direction that the program was going, and again, just was, was you know, timing is everything. I got there at the at a great time, and, and obviously it was, you know, probably the high point of Seton Hall basketball. The, uh, you know, as you said, you know, two Big East championships, six NCAA appearances, and, and playing the national championship in 89. So it, it, it doesn't get much better than that, especially, again, for a kid who grew up, you know, five, ten minutes away from, you know, used to ride my bike over there and sneak in the gym when I was a kid to play ball. It, 12, 14 years old. So pretty, pretty cool experience. Man, you could have retired at uh, in your early 20s and had a more successful career than majority of the business. That, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. It, 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 and, you know, and I, I really, I realized that at a, at a really young age in my time at Seton Hall of like, wow, like how, how fortunate I, I am, you know, just meeting coaches and be at high school or college guys and, you know, who, who just worked in this profession for so long, who were older than me, and like, wow, they, they never got even close to an opportunity like this. And I'm, I don't know, 28, 28 years old, I think, sitting on the bench in the national championship. So, yeah, I mean, I, I could have retired then, and it, <laughs> it, 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 you know, it would have been pretty good. But, you know, fortunately enough, I've, I've continued to, uh, to, to be able to stay at this business. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with that. Well, before we move on from your scene hall days, here's my question to you, Coach. Like, at such a young age, with that much success, and at, you know, the highest level, Power 5 basketball, how were you able to adjust to that, you know, being a younger guy and being a relatively close age with the guys that you're coaching, how were you able to handle that along with the success and the, I guess, the pressure of such high-level basketball? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I, I and I, I still to this day kind of have the mindset of, you know, I, I, I listen more than I speak and I, I try to re- be really observant. And, and obviously, you know, you're walking as a young guy to a Big East program and the low man on the totem pole. I mean, I I just listened, observed, learned. And, 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 and clearly, I think being young at that time helped me of just, you know, having, having, it's easier when you're younger to, to kind of create a, a quicker relationship, I think, with players. I mean, at the end of the day, they, they still, you know, they still want to know, can, do you know what you're talking about? Can you make me better? Are you honest? Are you consistent? You know, all the things that I think is, is important to being a good coach. But I think at a young age, you know, you, you kind of have the ability to get your foot in the door with them because of your age but conversely you better know what you're talking about you you better be able to show them that hey you know if you if you work with me and you listen to me 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you get better. So, you know, it was, it was a, again, just a terrific learning experience for a young guy. Absolutely. And then you spend some time in the pros coaching with the New York Liberty and you have several other assistant coaching spots. And I just think it's great because the levels are all different, but at the end of the day, it's still coaching basketball. Do you want to just take pieces from what you've learned at each stop and, you know, what helped prepped you for, you know, becoming a head coach at Keene University? Yeah, you know, I, I, I was, again, at Seton Hall for nine years, I, you know, eight of those years with, with P.J. and then one year with George Blaney when P.J. went to go to, to the NBA and Coach Blaney came in from Holy Cross. He kept me on, on the staff. So I, I I obviously, you know, I've been really fortunate of just, again, if you if you look at where I've worked, I, I've worked for terrific head coaches, which we can certainly talk about each one or or just an overall view, but I, I've really been fortunate who I've worked with and worked for of just being able to learn and kinda you know, you you take you take from here, you take from there, you take the good, you take the bad from each person and you and you you know, as you get older you develop your own philosophy and and you figure out what works. So I mean, again, I, I had a great nine-year run with just so much um, just learning and just being around good people and, and was fortunate enough to get a, a head coaching position at, you know, where actually, actually where I went to school. I went there, it was Kane College, now it's Kane University. Um, you know, I didn't have to move. I was able to stay local. At that time, you know, the NJAC was arguably one or two best division three leagues in the country so you know i i went there and i i was there for 11 years and you know initially i was able to make mistakes with no one really watching um you know uh, at, at that level it's you know your staff and yourself and your players and their families and pretty much after that no one really is too concerned if you're doing good or if you're doing poorly. So, you know, you're, you're able to grow and develop and kind of walked into a program that, you know, had been good, but was down there. You know, they had academic issues. There was a lot to fix. So, you know, it took a couple of years to get it the way I I wanted it, but I was able to do things in, in terms of how I saw them. And again, based on who I worked with and who I worked for, and, and had a you know had a good run there. I was there for eleven years, which is more than most people can stay at one school, and, and and clearly more than most people have opportunity to be a head coach. And you know, and and after that, you know, I I bounced around a little bit. Uh, you know, my contract wasn't renewed at Kane, which is part of you know this profession. If you do it long enough, you, you're probably going to be asked to leave somewhere. And um, but I, I had a great run there, and then you know. As you said, I was in, and I was at Caldwell College for a year, and then went to the WNBA for two years. Went back to Caldwell for another year, and then went to St. Peter's for three, and you know now I've been at FDU for seven. So I, I've been fortunate, you know, uh, just been able, as I said, work work at good good institutions for good people with good people, and uh, you know I'm. I'm I, I think the biggest thing I, that I still think is I get up in the morning. It's not like, oh man, I got to go to work. You know, like, like yeah, I get to go to work. That's great. You know, and and and, and I still enjoy what I'm doing. And every day is different. And every team is different. So it's still, 
it's still good. I'm still uh, I'm still really pleased what I'm doing. I just want to let the listeners know that you're the all-time winningest coach at that university where you went to school. I just want to uh, get your thoughts on how it felt to take over a place where where you spent you know so much time. Yeah, you know what that that was unique because when I went I went there I was a commuter student so to me it was almost like going to work I. You know, I'd go to my classes, and then I I was coaching at the time in high school. So during the basketball season, you know, classes would end. I'd jump in my car. I'd go to practice or games. And uh, I, I didn't spend a heck of a lot of time on the campus. I don't think in, in the time I was there, I set foot in the, in any of the dorms. I, I literally just, you know, wherever my class was, I went to class. You know, I'd go to the student center, grab a sandwich in between classes finish and head home or you know go to a game scouting or go to practice or go to our own game so I I didn't spend a ton of time on campus um, when they called me to talk about you know their interest in me potentially for the job I took a ride over there on a Sunday and literally walked around the whole campus because you know it had been a couple years since I had been there obviously and I, I didn't really you know, I knew I knew the specific buildings, but I didn't know the school in general. So I I went to kind of get a feel. It's, it's just you know, you're observing almost like a recruit on a visit. You know, you're walking around and you're you're trying to get a handle on is this a place I could see myself going to? I wanted to see is this a place I could see myself working, and is this a place I could see myself trying to recruit kids to go to? So. Um, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's always, I think, a pretty cool thing when <clears throat> when you can coach at your alma mater and, you know, a place you, you feel strongly about and have good feelings about. Absolutely. Now, Coach, sliding over that one chair to the head coach position, what are some of the things you've you learned on the job that maybe you didn't think you were as prepared enough for or, or were kind of taken aback by, you know, when you were an assistant that you didn't think of? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I I think I was really prepared based on the way PJ ran his program and and how he delegated to his assistants. Um, again, I worked for three really good people prior to that, and I got there and I realized it doesn't matter how prepared you are, how you know you can have your notebooks with all your notes and your philosophy and. Here are my three best out of balance plays, and here's that, and here's this, and you know, uh, I remember, I don't know, the the second week sitting in my office, like, oh my god, like here we go, like, <laughs> all right, you, be 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 careful what you wish for, because now you got it, and you know, is it, you know, as an assistant, it's every decision is you're making a suggestion for, you're not making decisions, you're you're giving a recommendation. And now as a head coach, and especially at the D3 level where you don't have, generally speaking, full-time staff and, you know, you got guys who are high school teachers and uh, business people, so they're not there all the time with you. You're, you're, you're in the office yourself a lot and, you know, a million decisions are coming across your desk sure. that you have to deal with and till you – until you start the process, and again, I think any any new job, you also have to figure out the administration, the school in general, you know, because everyone tells you they want to win and they want to be successful. And But until you get there and you, you see kind of uh, the, the lay of the land in person, 
um, you know, you're, you're, then you're trying to make decisions based on your knowledge of the place. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, you pick the battles that are worth fighting. And uh, But I, I think, again, you're never as prepared as you think you are. And, and the other thing that I think being, becoming a head coach is you, you to some level, you kind of lose contact on a daily basis with, with the players. Because, again, every time they come into – it's almost like, you know, they come into your office. It's like going to the principal's office when you're a young kid. Yeah. Um, and, and that was something I consciously spent a lot of time with. And that's something I remember kind of having that conversation with Kevin Bannon. Like, give me one thing you'd recommend. I And, I, you know, again, not don't give me an out-of-bounds play, but give me, like, as a head coach, like, something to think about <clears throat> that will make me a better head coach. And he said, like, really get to know and spend a lot of time off the court with your players. And I know that's that's become a big thing now when everyone talks about, you know, the connection and the culture of your team and interacting with your players. But that was something I, I really took from him <clears throat> and spent a huge amount of time. Like literally every kid had an assigned meeting with me where, you know, we talk about school, we talk about academics, we talk about basketball. We, we just talk and, you know, that way my, my intention was, all right, was, well, when I'm getting on you in practice, there, there's some level of, hey, you know what, this guy is concerned about me and wants me to do well, and it's not just coaching it for two hours a day. Um, but that, I think, is a big thing. You, you just, you, you kind of, um, you know, you're not, you're not in the gym as a head coach most of the time, you know, working a kid out, getting a guy's shots. It's more, you know, kind of business. Um, and, and that was an adjustment for me. Yeah. Now, Coach, you're back into the assistant role. You're in your seventh season with FDU. You're working for a coach who's got a great reputation and a super high-energy guy. I had a co- uh, chance to watch Coach Arenda speak in a clinic, and I think he was sweating more than the players that were demonstrating. And it was just fun to watch. And you guys have had, you know, so much success here. Two NEC championships. And talk about your time now, you know, after being a head coach, after working at you know, the highest of highs and working in the pros and, and now you're you're coaching at FDU and you guys have set the standard that you want to win and compete for championships every year in the NEC. Yeah, I, I'm a much better assistant now than I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago at Seton Hall, whenever, however long ago it was. You know, yeah, I think being a head coach gives you a great perspective when you go back to being an assistant coach, you know, and I, 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 whenever I think about my guys that I coached at Kane, I always, and again, it's probably not a normal thought, but I, I, I at times have like regret of like, boy, if, if I, if I could coach those guys today, I'd be such a better head coach than I was then. And I think I'm a better, better assistant now than I was at Seton Hall or St. Peter's or Caldwell or, or the liberty, because again, you just, you know, you, you, you're kind of, I think, as a coach, uh, just a sum of all your experiences put together, and um, you know, you, you just, I think, too, as you get older, you have a better perspective. You kind of have a feel of what really matters and what what's what's important about winning. Yeah, I think I think as a young guy, like you know, everyone you 
you know, you're probably overreacting to moments. And I know I did that when, as a head coach, you know, I'm head coach, you know, I overreacted to things. I, I, I worry too much about an official's call from six possessions ago uh-huh. and probably didn't, probably didn't coach my team enough is, you know, I, I, I was complaining and, and yelling at officials. And, you know, I think you just, you just get a perspective of what matters and what's really important. And, you know, I think picking your battles wisely and the, what are the proper battles that are worth fighting about. And, and again, I ultimately that have an impact upon, you know, your team and winning and losing and making them better. So do you think that now with all your time spent in the business that you are, I know you mentioned it earlier, but you will focus more on just relationships versus, you know, breaking down with guys in a film session or, or just, you know, honing in on X's and O's? Yeah. You know what? I, I really think they, they almost go hand in hand now. And as crazy as I think tech, I think technology has really helped that where you can, you know, you can come home from practice or sit in your office after practice and go on, you know, your computer or your iPad and, and pull up practice from that day and, and, you know, watch it and make edits and send it to the kids and text them your thoughts and kind of have a, a relationship that way of they're, they're kind of in a safe area. They're not, you know, and, you know, kids at times when they, when they're, watching video as a team and you get on them they they kind of get into a shell and get defensive so i i think that has helped where you can almost even away and even in this scenario now with the pandemic you know you're still able to connect and communicate with your kids um but yeah i i i, I still go back to i'm a coach so sure you know, and, and and I again as a young guy growing up, I mean at Seton Hall, like I, I was responsible for all of our scouting. Um, the the third assistant at that time was not allowed to recruit, so everything I did was just all basketball. So that's kind of my almost like my default mechanism is game preparation, scouting, video work, and that, that's what I I enjoy that because I think that's something that you can kind of see when the game goes. There's a tangible and you know, result and you can see it. So I, I do enjoy that, but I, I still, yeah, I, I enjoy the, the one-on-one interaction with kids and, and, you know, especially today's world, you know, you, you said with, with me, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot, just trying to find articles and videos to send to our guys to just kind of make them think or show them something or make them read something that, Maybe maybe they get, or maybe two months from now they get it, and they don't necessarily get it today. But so I, I think there's a lot of ways to communicate with kids nowadays. It, it doesn't always have to be, you know, the coach in his office talking to the player. Um, but that's I think that's one of the challenging things now. How with all that's out there, trying to find each kid. How how do you get to that kid, and how do you? How do you communicate properly, or not properly, just the best way with that guy and, and what environment and what message are you giving that kid to, to help him improve? So it's a, it's a challenging but a, but a good challenging uh, aspect of the job nowadays. And you bring up a great point, Coach, like as far as technology. It's a great filter, and you hit the nail on the head. Guys get defensive sometimes when they get called out in front of their 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 teammates and their friends and i think it's a healthy way to still 
correct mistakes and they can handle it how they want to on their own terms. You know, whether they watch it four times and they're pissed off the first two and then the last two, they're like, okay, I get what coach is saying versus, you know, them just going into a shell when it's in person and just, you know, getting insecure about their mistakes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, you know, and again, it wasn't intentional on my my end, but, you know, the we the video system we have, like I said, I mean, practice ends, it uploads, we have access to it, and then we're able very simply to just watch and, you know, make some edits, text it to a kid with the thoughts, or you can even you can even kind of audio it, hey, you know, you, your hedge wasn't the right angle, blah, blah, bad closeout, your hands were low, or, and yeah, it, it's on their phone, and you know these these guys are such technology oriented, visually oriented type learning personalities nowadays. That yeah, I mean you're right. The first time, maybe yeah, I don't get it. But the fourth time, because you know they go back to it and watch it a million times because they all they all. They, I mean the one thing I think every every basketball player, every athlete. Is the same for all. They love to watch themselves when it's <laughs> That's them the on truth. video. So, so you know they're watching it a million times. And yeah, you just hope again. You and that's I think one of the challenges as coach is how do you present it to them? What's even in text? Like what's your tone? You know what's what? What words are you using? And to get to get your point across, where they're not getting defensive and they're not shutting down. But they're they're kind of open minded and saying, you know what, and yeah, like this is going to help me. You know, this is going to help our team. This is going to help me get better. This is going to help me get more minutes or get into the rotation. So it's I I love that part of it because again, it, it kind of combines. You know, at the end of the day, the two reasons I, I got into coaching as a young guy, like I, I enjoyed working with players and I, I enjoyed the game. And as I've gotten a know the game better and understand better you know i can i can watch video and probably see things differently than you know someone who's just starting the coaching profession and then it's how do you articulate it to the kid and do do they ultimately do they get the message that you're saying um to help them get better absolutely and i think another great thing that you do is sending the kids articles because you know, every article nowadays that, that we're pushing to our staffs and our, our colleagues and our players has a message that's going to help them be successful. And I think that you making that effort to do that, I think they realize that you care about them as people. And that goes a long way, too, because then you can really, you know, get on them when, when the time calls for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's where I go back to, again, what, what Kevin Bannon told me long ago, like develop that relationship so you can coach them hard and they don't take it personally, and they know you're there for them. But, yeah, there, there's just such a a resource of articles, video, you name it. I mean, I, I found something on Twitter this morning. It was a great clip. It was like a two-minute clip of Kevin Garnett from, from back in the day, and I sent it to our guys. And, it you know, it, it just said, like, how, just how unique he was. And, and it was interesting just getting – not every kid texted me back or probably three quarters of our team. They responded to it with, you know, it's just interesting to get their thoughts of, again, like you as a coach, you know what you think they're looking at, but until they respond to you, you don't know. And, and again, I think that helps you become a better coach. Just, you know, kind of 
again, even during the season, all right, here here's three closeouts, weren't good. And, and just seeing the kids' response to your text with your thoughts or your notes on that scenario, that situation, to get their feedback. And, and they're not intentionally giving you feedback, but they are because you can kind of – you kind of get a sense of like how their mind works as a player. So yeah, I I really enjoy that. That's something I've really tried to do during this, you know, kind of shutdown period of, you know, because during the day, you know, you get into your office and you, you have all the intentions and then, you know, 10 different things come across your desk and problems arise and, you know, just different scenarios occur that you don't get to some of the things that you want to get to. So now it's, you know, I get up in the morning and I kind of, I do like an early morning search of, hey, are there any good articles or any good videos? And, you know, I, I, I don't know, I have eight or 10 specific probably things that I'll look towards different people that tweet things out that I, I think are good, see if there's anything good and, you know, kind of send them an early, not early morning, but, you know, a nine o'clock text with something so whenever they get up and turn their phones on all right here's something right off the day you know right off the bat to start the day there, there's something to at least get them thinking and you know as a like everyone you know you're on twitter looking for info throughout the day and if i come across something you know i just i just send it to them and you know again i'm in a mindset if, if there's one you know you send it to 13 guys and one kid takes something, then mission accomplished. It was, it was, it was a good thing to do. Exactly. So. It's a win. And now this is why I'm excited for our final uh, segment of this to hear some of your answers. I have uh, six questions here that'll, that'll really get myself and the audience to get to know you even a little bit more. And uh, you're, you're one of the great basketball minds. And even about life, like I said, I always am looking on your page to see what articles you found on, on online and, you know, things that I've loved reading and pass along to people in the business as well. So if you don't mind, I'm going to get started and uh, look forward to hearing your answers. Yeah, definitely. Fire away. Coach, what's a habit or hobby you do consistently that most people may not know about yourself? Um, hobby, the one, the one thing I've, I've, I don't know, I've gotten into the last 10 years, like pretty seriously, I'm not saying I'm good, but I, I enjoy golfing. Um, okay. I've really gotten into golf. You know, I just, I like, you know, obviously you're outside, you're, you know, you're walking, you're getting some exercise. It's the most challenging thing I've ever tried to do. It's, it's such a tough game. I, I love the, the mental part of it. You know, you always got to think, you know, okay, I'm on the, I'm, I'm hitting my second shot, but I'm thinking about, or if it goes here, what's the next shot? Um, you know, there's some strategy. Uh, so I, yeah, I really, and I just like too that you, you kind of get, you can, you know, keep your phone in your bag or your pocket, you know, not to respond to everything or take every call. But, you know, I, I think that's the one um, kind of thing I do for myself is, is yeah, go, go play golf or just jump on a bike and go for a bike ride and just to kind of get away from things and shut down a little bit and, you know, be, be outside. Now, I know you're a big reader, so... I don't know. I know you're into articles, but which article, maybe a book, has had the most impact on your life? Yeah, that's a tough one. I don't know if there's a specific book or article. I mean, I you know, I know on my iPad, I probably have 50 books um, that I'm 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 not reading all at the same time. I've tried to use this time to get better, but you know, you know, it's it's been interesting too with 
all the virtual online clinics and hearing a million different people speak, you know, different levels, different coaches. It, it's really interesting how the coaching profession, at least men's basketball coaches, have such similar reading interests. It's crazy, uh, right? You know, you know, everyone's reading John Gordon, and, right, and rightfully so. Uh, I mean, obviously he's he's terrific. The guy Damon West is great. Um, you know, but I even go back like the Bill Walsh book, The Score Takes Care of Itself. I, so many people talked about that book. Uh, I love in that the coaching book. world. Uh, yeah, it's terrific. I mean, talk about a guy who was ahead of his time and like just such a a forward thinker. Um, you know, the great gridiron genius, Michael Lombardi, you know, the football guy. That's the other thing, too. I think I, I've always been intrigued and really try to read a lot about football coaches because I, I just think they're so, uh, you know, just not ahead of the game, but it, it, it just so intrigues me of, you know, they have the NFL, whatever it is, 53-man roster, college, they can have 100 guys and – to have a ton of staff and, uh, you know, an enormous field or two fields for practice of just the organization and how, how they teach and coach and break things down. And, you know, for us, it's a, it's a basketball court, 94 by 50 with 13 players and three or four assistants. And, and, you know, I, I just think the football guys are, are, are still not more advanced, but just organizationally are still probably better than basketball coaches in that regard. So that's something I always try to really follow up and read. And there's just, you, you look at the personalities. I mean, you got Belichick, who's obviously the greatest probably ever, and super focused and serious. And then to Pete Carroll, you know, the other extreme. And again, one, one of the all time greats. And yeah, you know, I've been listening to, Pete Carroll and Steve Carr of a podcast and just, I mean, Pete Carroll is just such a positive, upbeat guy that's like, yeah, like, how how wouldn't guys want to play for him? So, you know, I just, with reading, with podcasts, I just try to steal an idea here, a thought, it makes you think about things and, you know, kind of self-evaluate how you do things and not that you're comparing yourself to those people, but it, it just kind of opens your eyes and opens your ears to to just learning a little bit more about the profession. Yeah, Pete Carroll has a great book that I just reread that I just found in my uh, bookshelf, Win Forever, and it talks about like, yes. or Winning Forever, and it just talks about each stage and what he's learned and whatnot. It's super interesting. Have you read it, Coach? Yep. Yes, I have. Yeah, years ago, when, I think when it first came out, yeah. yeah. No, terrific, terrific book. Like his, his podcast, the thing with Steve Kerr, I think it's called Flying Coach. Okay. Really good. They've had like three or four of them, and just and again, like him and you know Pete Carroll and Steve Kerr. I mean, I don't think you'll find two more positive coaches who obviously have had unbelievable success coaching different sports, but just like their their outlook on things is is terrific. So it's uh, yeah, just you know, again, I, I just think you know you read enough, you, you you look into enough things, you hear enough things, you, you're gonna. You're going to get something that, you know, and again, it may not be for this moment, but somewhere in your mind, you know, a scenario is going to come up where you can probably go back and use that idea, that concept, that philosophy or thought. So that's that's always, I, I think, a, 
you know, an interesting, intriguing part of the profession. Couldn't agree more, Coach. Now, what's the best career advice you've gotten? Um, you know, I, I, I do remember, again, as a, as a young coach of, and again, all the things you hear people say today, but, you know, focus on the job where you're at, do the best job of at the job you're, you have now. You know, I was never, and it probably hurt me, I was never a guy looking at the next job. So I, I just think kind of being in the moment of just, doing a great job of where you're at, not not cheating anyone where you're working by, you know, kinda kinda looking down the road, but just, just kinda staying in the moment and you know, again, well, kinda all the cliche things that you hear today and different different uh people speak, but but I think just that concept of, you know, kinda make make where you are really good and do the best job you can do with the job that you have right now and if you do that you know what's going to lead to other opportunities absolutely i mean all those cliches are you know you hear them over and over again but they're all true it doesn't make them any less true so i i couldn't agree more i mean everyone's looking for the next thing but if you do a good job like you said i feel like word will get around one way or another yep no 100 yeah the next the next good thing will find you and and people will will learn about you and especially in today's world with social media i mean if you you know if you have any kind of social media presence and and you do good stuff and 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 you're you're, you're a good person i think people are going to find out about you and, and and at the end of the day you still got to go there and do the job and and do it well but i i think you know i i think too many people still in this business you know they're they're always you know, it's kind of like when you go to the Final Four, you know, you're in the lobby, you're talking, and, <laughs> and, and you, you know, you, 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 you know that, you know, and we all know those people, they're talking to you, but they're looking over your shoulder to see the next guy that they can go talk to. Uh, I think people who do that with their careers job-wise, it comes back to, because eventually people are going to figure that out. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, again, it's like take take care of your business where you're at and then, It'll lead to other things that are that are going to be good for you. Now, Coach, if you had one quote to live by, what would it be? You know what? I, I have it on the wall in my office. When I first got there, I, I had had someone in sports information make it up. And again, nothing original by any stretch. Stealing it from one of the best um, to ever coach. But I, I have it on my wall. Do your job. You know, just the, you know the Belichick Patriots thing. Just I just think it. It, it goes to so many areas, and, and I like it, too, that the kids walk into my office and see that, and and I think it applies to them, too. You know what? Go to class. Sit up front. Just do do your job the right way. So that, and that to me, is, is, you know, short, sweet. It applies to a million different scenarios, and it's just everyone knows what it means. And just do your job and do it well, as well as you can do, and get better and improve upon it, but... Yeah, I, I just uh, that that kind of works for me. Now, being in the business so long, what's the biggest obstacle you've had to overcome, and what did you learn from it? Um, I, I've been lucky, you know. Like I, probably the most challenging was was again when when my athletic director came into my office and said, "I got to meet with you," and you know, said, "We're we're not going to renew your contract." at the yeah. end of this year and this this was literally the first 
week we had practice and oh, uh, wow. it's you know i i kind of remember having a conversation like uh, all right well how, how do you expect me to do my job with what you just told me and he didn't really have an answer for me and didn't really have an answer of why why they weren't renewing my contract so i just kind of put my head down and did my job and, and coached and didn't didn't share the news with anyone didn't tell my family didn't tell the players the coaches because it was just i didn't i didn't i didn't want myself to be distracted with it i didn't want them to be distracted with it and and actually was able to appeal it and got two more years there because i knew we were going to be good and I, I wanted to stay there because um, i i liked our team and and literally for two and a half years no one knew about it and just kind of you know, it, it took a lot of concentration and, and discipline to to continue to recruit and continue to coach a team and just show up and do my job knowing that, all right, well, there was kind of a deadline at the end of the day. And at some point, you know, there was going to be a change made. But, and again, that's that's fine. I mean, you know, we all work at schools. If, if they don't want you to be there, then that's their choice. I mean, you know, the... They hire you to be able to fire you at the end of the day and, and release you. And most guys don't go out the way they want to go out. But that was that was definitely a challenge. And then, you know, I go from there to, you know, get get done at Kane. And I, I couldn't get a job. I mean, I, I really struggled to, you know, I had a lot of different conversations with people and, and could not, just couldn't hook on for a million different reasons with anyone's staff. And, you know, I got a call from, Mark Carino, who, you know, I know you know well as well, up at Caldwell. And, you know, Mark and I were casual friends. But I wouldn't say friends. We, we'd see each other recruiting. You know, we'd scrimmage him a couple times when I was at Kane. But we weren't close, close. And he's kind of, hey, I know what's going on. If you don't get anything, if you want to come up here with me for, for the year, stay in the game, you know, let me know. And I, you know, at the end of you know, whatever, June or July, when nothing came through, we, we, you know, we met and, you know, kind of, he, he kind of saved me, you know, kept me into business and let me be able to survive for, for a year or so. And so that was, that was challenging. I went from being a head coach to being a women's tennis coach and the equipment room manager and folding laundry and driving the women's tennis team to, to, you know, the tournaments to be able to still coach basketball. So that, you know, that, that kind of humbled you a little bit. And, uh, but it also made you appreciate like, wow, I still, I still get to do this. And, uh, so, I mean, I'm obviously forever grateful to him, but it, it definitely, you know, humbles you and challenges you to kind of keep your humility and, and not get angry at people. And just, this is part of the process. And just, again, just kind of put your head down, do your job and hope it, Hope, hope you get, you know, rewarded and get a break. Well, hats off to you to have that laser focus, knowing in the back of your mind the situation that played out with your athletic director. I mean, that that's a tough pill to swallow, and, and I think that's great that you were able to still focus on the task at hand every day. I think that's a great lesson, you know, to be passed along to, to anyone, you know. There's going to be some good news and there's going to be some bad news, but how you handle it and how you show up the next day after dusting yourself off shows a lot about who you are as a person. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, you know, I, I tried to do the exact same things, you know, as coaches we say to our players. You know, all right, get on to the next play. 
let's you know don't hang your head don't don't get down you know all, all the the cliche messages that you're giving the kids as, as a coach you know to me it was like okay here we go like all all, all the stuff i've been saying like is it bs or are you going to live it now and, and try to do this and so that 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 made it challenging, but it also, again, I think gave me a great perspective and and allowed me to kind of view it as, you know what, like what I'm saying to kids is meaningful because in my mind now I'm doing, I'm doing, you know, practice what you preach. So yep. now I had to practice it. And, uh, you know, it, it, again, it makes you appreciate the opportunity to still, still do this profession and still coach and still you know, be around the game and be around kids. So it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's just one more piece to the puzzle that, you know, kind of makes you who you are as a coach and kind of, you know, that's a different way to add to your philosophy about things. But, you know, just every, I don't know, I'm a big believer in that. Like every experience is somehow contributing. Not all good experiences. You know, there's, as you know, in this profession, there's a lot of bad experiences and you lose and, you miss out on a recruit or, you know, you, you, you don't, something in the scouting report you missed or they run a new out of bounds play that, you know, you hadn't seen. And, you know, like bad things are going to happen. And, and bad is a, you know, again, now, now you get the perspective of today's world. I, you know, I hope coaches next year when, you know, that kid misses a layup and, and you, you start to lose your mind. You want to, oh, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, the kid missed a layup. Like, you know, it's. I think I think that's what I hope coaches and kids will take. I I hope the kids will take realize the opportunity to be able to play, like how special that is. Not that they don't now, but I think it'll be even more special this coming season. And I think as coaches, you know, we we don't overreact to things that, in the grand scheme of things, really aren't that important. And um, you know, so hopefully this this gives everyone a different kind of view of of what really really matters for sure now coach for our final question what advice would you give to your younger self um take more challenges as a coach you know i i think again i i you know you look at my background nine years in assistance a long time in one place uh, 11 years as a head coach in one place a long time so 20 years of i don't even know how long i've coached but 20 years more than half I've been at two schools so I, I think just be more I don't know not adventurous but just take more risks maybe a, a different job that someone didn't think was maybe you know the right move but it might have helped me career-wise advance even more um you know just kind of get out of your comfort zone again I I I like to be in situations where I'm comfortable and I know what is going on and you know i think some coaches they they do a great job of not of getting out of their comfort zone um i think there's advantages in both but you know i think again as a younger guy probably just take more risks of trying to get involved in different jobs that may have you know just again enhance my background or my resume in a different way but that being said i don't regret and you know i don't look back and say oh, man i should have done that differently because again nine years is Big East assistant, 11 years as a head coach. As you said earlier, there's, there's a million coaches that would would take those, those two experiences in a heartbeat that didn't have anywhere close the opportunity to do that. So I'm I'm uh, I'm very thankful for that, to say the least. 
And coach, I'm super thankful to uh, to have you on the Coaches and Coffee podcast. I know you know it's a hectic time for all of us. I'm glad you're doing you're doing well and you're safe. But I'm just pumped up to uh, that I got a chance to get to know you some more. Your your story has been awesome, and I've got notes scribbled all over my paper just uh, from <laughs> listening to you. So again, super thankful. Now I appreciate that. I, I've enjoyed listening to what you've done with with your podcast and your guests, and yeah, I. I've been able to pick things up from them. And it just, to me, it's been great, too, to see a guy like yourself, a young guy, just do it the right way in advance. And you're, you're, you're with terrific guys at Hofstra. And uh, you guys obviously have been very successful. So, you know, to me, it's always good when you see good people get in a good situation and they, they get rewarded and uh, just do things the right way. So it's, uh, I've, I've, I've enjoyed speaking with you. I appreciate that, Coach. Now, do you want to shout out your Twitter handle for the listeners? Guys, I promise you he's a great follow. Every day he's pumping out awesome content that we could apply to, you know, all of our programs and players. Yeah, as you, you said, I, I got to go on my phone and look at it. I don't even know what my the handle is. So give, give me 10 seconds. I'm looking it up. No but, problem, uh, Coach. No problem yeah, it's, uh, it's It's at Coach Bruce Ham. So at Coach B-R-U-C-E-H-A-M. Awesome. Coach, I can't thank you enough. I'm excited to uh, follow you guys, you know, next year. Like I said, you've got a great crew over there, too, and you guys have had a lot of success, so I'm rooting for you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. It's been great being with you, you guys, with you, and uh, I hope everyone out there is safe and healthy and keep learning and keep, uh, keep getting better. All right, Coach. Be well. No, you too. Thanks, Andrew. And that's a wrap for this episode of Coaches and Coffee. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Cobian. So thankful for you guys and all the support. It's been great. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Coach Cobian, C-O-B-I-A-N. On Instagram, throw me a follow. My handle is oneandrew3. Reach out to me. Leave some comments on the podcast in the comments section. Uh, Throw us some five-star ratings. It would be greatly appreciated. And uh, looking forward to hearing from you guys.